This episode of ArcaSpeak is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. This episode is also supported by Enscape, empowering your design workflow by turning your BIM model into an immersive 3D experience. So I got to go to the happiest place on earth recently. McDonald's? <laughs> is that your happy place <laughs> oh you say happy place not happy meal yeah not happy meal can you really be happy with that meal i, don't, I doubt it <laughs> i mean maybe for a moment yeah. so so one of the things that that's happened since i've been at disneyland before disneyland california west coast the, the small original one. the original the t- the teeny one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never never been to the Florida one, so I can't can't comment. So something that's happened there since the last time I was there, and give you an idea of how long it's been, is this whole new uh, Star Wars area of the park. That is one thing that I would love to actually go to. I, I sent I think I sent you a link the other day yeah. about Disneyland, particularly. Yes. Maybe a week or two ago. But it was an interesting thread on Twitter, and I, I can't find it, so I don't totally remember what it said, but it was basically talking about kind of some of the design ideals behind how they approach design and experience at Disneyland with with all new projects, and I'm, I'm sure it's been kind of guiding principles for past projects. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but it was like, the first thing was like, you know, the, the entry is, it's all paved with, with red brick, and the idea behind that was that the red carpet's being rolled out as you, as you come yeah. to Disneyland and, and you know it's going to be the best day of your life and you're treated like a celebrity and then there's other things that are more practical for them like like Main Street is black pavement and it's like designed to get you to move through it instead of hang out and linger there and then there's other things like you know hidden mickeys which I didn't see any of those yesterday but I'm not like a super Disney freak or aficionado like like many people are where they probably have them all mapped out and geotagged and all this stuff mm-hmm. But then there's other things like force perspective and scale and, you know, paint colors that make things kind of disappear. They have this this color called uh, go away green was one of the things they talked about. <laughs> it's go like away green. Utility doors and things that you that need to be there, but you don't they don't want to call out any kind of attention to them. So there's all these kinds of interesting things to it. And so kind of thinking about that as I went into this new land and like even thinking about the way they transition between these very different places and 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 thinking of it from the perspective of customer experience particularly or user experience this whole idea of ux and software but but in architecture like this is you know a lot of reasons why we do the things that we do are based on the types of experiences that people should be having in these you know, especially in public places and hopefully in, in all kinds of places. But just the things that they do in, in Star Wars land to kind of transition you into a completely different world. And we talked about world building on the show recently and thinking about it from like a cinematic perspective, right? We're talking about, we talked about it in Dune. We talked about it before that, as far as, you know, different authors that have built worlds and different filmmakers that have built worlds and things like that. No, so so Disney actually physically built this. And I think that was something that was just so impressive to me was that 
the Imagineers and kind of the applying those guiding principles and serious, they, they must be some super serious Star Wars geeks because there's just some incredible detail in this thing. And obviously with where technology is now and, and what they can probably use to design, like to me, I, I can't even imagine trying to document the build that they did because it's it's so detailed. But I think, you know, even more than that, like thinking about the experience, like there's one, there's the experience of kind of wandering around this place and like just taking it all in and seeing it at day and then seeing it at night. And those are two very different feelings that you get there and like just incredible use of lighting and design and circulation and levels to kind of set things off in the way that, you know, they they force you to look one way when you need to be looking that way and they force you to look another way when you need to be looking that way to call your attention to things and call your attention away from other things. I thought all of that, man, these are like serious architectural tools. These are tools that we all have in our tool belt or we it, this is the stuff we're taught in design school. This is the the things we strive for when we do buildings. They're masters at it. Total masters at it. So and sorry, go ahead. I don't want to keep talking no. all the time. No, 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 no. I mean, I was just agreeing with you. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I swear to you that the dream that I had uh, when I first started thinking about architecture was really to go and work as an Imagineer is, is to be a part of like the you know world building of, of Disney, because I mean, we used to go there all the time. We had, you know, friends of ours that now I'm Disney world or yeah, Disney world, not mm-hmm. Disneyland. And, you know, we just had friends who were older than us, you know, friends, brothers and sisters who worked there and they used to sneak us in all the time. And so we spent like countless free hours at Disney World and just we even got the opportunity to basically see the world underneath the world. Oh, wow. That's cool. It just it's it's so kind of like jaw dropping to be able to kind of like experience the world in two different, you know, two different ways. It's like a world that is exclusively built for supporting the park. Yeah. And then the park itself. Well, it also adds to that kind of sense of magic from the user side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the things they even cited in, in that thread on Twitter. It was, it's like, there's this, the, the whole support side of things has been designed in response to creating the best user experience possible. And total back of house stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, it's interesting to think about because, like, when we do a project, there's there's some projects that you'll visit where like that attention to detail, like we talked about Scarpa, right? On maybe even the last show, and it was just like the attention to detail is insane on a Scarpa project. And you don't see too many projects where the attention to detail is kind of equally applied everywhere because number one, it's a cost thing, and number two, it's a craftsmanship thing and there's so many places where you like you have to spend the money very carefully and there's other places where you can't spend the money at all <laughs> right and then there's other places where it's like this is really something we we will have to to nail with and it's going to cost more but it seemed like here i mean obviously disney makes a ton of money so right it doesn't i don't even know what the budget was for this but it had to be absolutely bonkers um sh- absolutely sure so that's a huge part of it but at the same time like they are creating something remarkable something unforgettable like something immersive in a way that most architecture doesn't get to do or or isn't valued to do or you know there's so many ways you could spin that sentence but 
this is one of those places. Like I was saying, even during the nighttime, it's it's an it's incredible and it's different than during the day. And the use of lighting and the use of landmarks and the sound effects that go along with the environment. They've designed the entire experience. Like in most other lands, you might hear some zippity doo dah song theme song playing in the background to kind of you know try to boost your mood and get you feeling like you're in that story and here it's sound effects and it's laser blasts and it's like they're trying to make you feel like you're actually there and so when i actually did get to the rise of the resistance which is their newest ride holy crap like you're you are literally in a in a star wars movie Uh, You are in the Star Wars universe, and you are on a star destroyer in space, and you are you feel like you're there. and And this is in contrast even to some of the stuff that I talk about on my other show, and that we've talked about here too, like being in VR, being in an immersive digital environment. Yeah, I mean they've done it on the physical level. It's I was going to say you're you're literally like you're in the VR in real life the head without the headset, right? Right. I mean, and the investment and the design that it took to get there is just, it's its awe-inspiring at that level. And that's not just like Star Wars fanboy talking. That's architect talking. That's u- user of buildings talking. It's just incredible, the level that they've they've taken it to. And I, I just I just thought it, it would be interesting to kind of talk about how they, and I, I, don't, I don't have any like behind the scenes information or anything. And I, I know there's people out there who, who have worked for the Imagineers or are Imagineers or have worked for Disney. And I mean, just the, what it actually took, I would love to sit and have a one-on-one conversation <laughs> with, with people about what it actually took to create that experience. Because the things that they take you through, and obviously it's, it's a ride, it's completely scripted. Like you see what they want you to see, much like architects try to do in buildings. You try to take somebody on an experience when they cross a threshold and then, you know, that there's certain spaces that they pay certain attention to and they want you to do certain things in. And so they create boundaries and, you know, so that you can't do other things or attractions in inside of buildings to get you to go certain directions and things like that. But like, this is just next, next level. So what's interesting about all of that with, and I'm saying this with a sense of jealousy is that, you know, as we were talking should. about this whole, yeah. as we should, we were talking about this whole world building before. And, you know, it's just like, they get to design, they get to storyboard out every square inch of this space because it, it really is like everything that is visible is meant to be visible. It's meant to be experienced. You know, like how do you walk into the bathroom? <laughs> how do you do all of these like things? And, and like, these are usually the things that we're just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to spend my money here, but I'm not going to spend my money here. <laughs> I'm going to spend my money on 5% of the project. Right. Or, you know, right. when you think about the whole project, and you think about like where the architectural moments are for for most projects it's a very small piece of the pie it it really is because like everything else is sort of like you know i i remember when i started to do like public works stuff like rec centers k through 12 schools and things like that they're like if you want like these wow moments of architecture you got to like choose it really carefully everything yeah. else is going to basically be the support for that but maybe your entry is like, ooh, wow. Or maybe, the, you know, like this is, ooh, wow. But it ain't going to be everything. Right. And here it's everything. Yeah, it's going to be very, very much the smallest part of your project. 
and, and you know, and so like that's where I say like the, this bit of jealousy, a bit of jealousy, a lot of jealousy, is just this. You you were like, I'm not sure how much they spend on it. Well, I'll tell you, Galaxy's okay. Edge, one billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you it's there. It, you could tell. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's just the initial cost. That's not like adding the new rides and all of these other things. And so, I'm reading uh, this article in Forbes. So I guess we'll put it in the um, the show notes. But just this, just an article talking about like both Disneyland and Disney World. Their initial budget for uh, Galaxy's Edge in, in both of those locations was one billion dollars each. I do know a little bit behind the scenes there, as far as the, like the BIM went for that because it was all done in BIM and but they did they actually designed it for California and then they built it the same one in Florida even though they have you know kind of different structural requirements and things but they decided to to kind of design it once build twice and I don't think it worked out to be as cost advantageous as they had hoped it it would but (laughs) who did they like uh prototyped it yeah they they built them at the same time right yeah so I don't think there was any prototyping going on I don't want one Millennium Falcon. I want two. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and by the way, just a little, just a little FYI, we started this all off way. You were talking about like Disneyland, and I called it the little one, and you scoffed at me. Here's the size comparison. So, <laughs> yeah, but they're taking all those other parks into account. They're not just no, no. Okay, so Disneyland itself, uh-huh. not all of the other parks, but just Disneyland itself encompasses a hundred. 100 acres the overall disneyland park 500 acres wow i walked like 13 miles yesterday i don't want it to be bigger (laughs) do you you want to guess what disney world orlando is total well it's like this lower half of florida right it's the the lower half (laughs) it's the lower half of orlando sure it's just a mere 47 or sorry 42.47 mile square miles oh my gosh like what the yeah uh, i mean geez dude yeah that's crazy so when we moved to florida from michigan disney world was was under construction and i remember the very first like we were actually we went the first few years of disney world and it was just obviously amazing but every time i went you know went back there it just got bigger and bigger yeah and it got to the point where like i started when we started taking our own children there they were just like okay this is good for a day but this is a whole lot of walking oh my gosh yeah you'd have to go for a week and i don't even know if your knees and feet could handle it you need to rent those scooters <laughs> that that was honestly one of the reasons why we probably went like took advantage of all the free trips there just because like there's no way that you're going to see this at at any one given time. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a moment and talk about the sponsor of this episode. Enscape is a leading real-time rendering and virtual reality tool for the global AEC market. It plugs directly into your modeling software, giving you an integrated design and visualization process. With Enscape, you can render in real-time and walk stakeholders through your rendered model with incredible ease. Your buildings can be experienced long before they are built. More than 200,000 unique monthly users from over 150 countries use Enscape to envision better designs. To learn more or to sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak today. That's Enscape3D.com slash Arcaspeak. 
In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature, and Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient, ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility, from their heater capacities and their colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They are also the only comfort heating company that offers smart integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of the job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. I for one appreciate the design options you get with Infratech because as the cooler months approach the mid-Atlantic region, we're looking to extend those outdoor days and Infratech heaters provide comfort without being large and in your face. Well, I, this this ride, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the ride because I, we can actually kind of narrow the scope of this to, to just that experience of actually feeling. Because there's on one level, like when you're out in the park, you're not in the Star Wars universe ever, right? Because there's tourists everywhere and there's there's just tons of weird stuff going on. There's scooters and strollers and like there's just, it's just a lot of distraction. I mean, it would be amazing to be there with a very small group of people but when you're on the ride it it actually is a very small group of people and there's characters interacting with you and they're bringing that level of the experience in as well they're basically you know you've got these characters that are talking down to you and treating you like the rebel scum that you are and and so that all that all adds to it for sure but but as far as like just the way they transition you from so this is something that disney does in an amazing way especially with with in the later years here which is Everything is an experience. Waiting in line is an experience. You're getting part of the story while you're waiting in line, and there's things to look at, and and there's things to do, and they've designed the queue to be as long as possible, but make it feel like you're not waiting as long as you actually are. There's story going on. There's sounds going on while you're waiting, and they do an incredible job of that with this ride. Once you finally get to the, the ride proper, this door opens and and you're in this outdoor space and there's uh there's like an x-wing there and it's awesome because like you've never seen a real x-wing before and bb 8 sitting in it right and then you you go into well actually the very first thing is like yeah yeah you go into the spaceship then and this is something my son pointed out which because he he's been there on this ride a couple times already and he wanted to check this thing out. He's like, I want to see what's on that screen when you're you're kind of in the, in the cargo area of a spaceship and you're looking through a window at a pilot. And you see through his window to the outside. Mm-hmm. But it's it's screens, right? Everybody knows it's screens. And it matches what you just left on the outside of the That's when awesome. you're in the outdoor outdoor space cuz he's like, I've been here during the day and it looks like day. And now we're there at night, and it looks like night. <laughs> so they're they're attaching this virtual thing that everybody sees all day long to what's actually going on outside in some way. 
to make it feel like there's there's a suspension of disbelief. You didn't go into this, and now you're looking out sunny windows when it's night outside. And so it's like the little things like that that really, like he was impressed, and he's 15. <laughs> so, but that lay, that level of attention to detail is is pretty incredible. And and then you go you go in. I guess it's time to put up the spoiler alert tag because I I did want to talk about what actually happens on the ride. So if you haven't you don't if you don't haven't experienced it or you and you don't want to hear about what the ride's like, maybe I won't say everything, but but you might. So you might. Is this is this where I jump off the call? Yeah. (laughs) I want to talk about it from like an architectural experience point of view, though, because it's like I'm not going to say everything that happened, but holy crap, the things that that are in there are mind-blowing, like the scope and the scale of which they were willing to to go to. So yeah, maybe you do need to jump off, Cormac. I'll just monologue the rest of the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll be okay. I'm sure it's not going to ruin the mystique when I do actually yeah, I, I don't think get it a would. chance to go. It's it's just one of those things where it's like, how how did they do this? You know, And so... So once you get past that part, it's like you get you go up to a star destroyer and you walk out of that ship that you just got pulled up, you know, into the tractor beam with, and you are in a star destroyer bay with, and I'm sure everybody's probably seen this photo, but there's like all of the the stormtroopers standing there, like at attention in the grid of stormtroopers, and behind them is a giant screen, and it and it is space beyond that. That's awesome. And you are like in this giant hangar bay that you just, your ship just got brought into. And it just feels massive, massive. And it, you don't know where you are. You, f- you, you honestly feel like you're up in space, but we're probably below ground. Like, I don't even know where I am. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm in space. Right? <laughs> it's, it's so interesting to think about it like an architect. It's like, where are we right now? Are we below ground? Did we go up a level? Did we go into a big... I don't know where we are. Like, you just don't even know because they're... While they're showing you one thing, they're doing something else with you, like a, mag- like a magician. And so there's like this sleight of hand constantly going on that they're architecting this. And so you you kind of just like... It's so crazy. This is just a transition space. You just kind of walk through it and it's massive and polished and gorgeous and there's space on the outside and you feel like you're there. And that to me is like where this gets crazy immersive. Like they could have done something where you're going to stay in this space for a while and they're going to milk it for everything that it's worth. And no, you're in it for literally like 20 seconds and you just pass through it. And then you get into a little bit of a waiting situation and that's where you start to meet some of the characters and things. And, you know, they're very mad at you because you've got the location of a base and you're going to tell it to them. And so they're drawing you deeper and deeper into the story. But then you ultimately get into this car type, you know, thing with the people in your group. There's four people in your group. And this thing is like not on tracks. It's on wheels and nobody's driving it. I mean, there's a droid driving it, quote unquote. And it just goes wherever it needs to go. And there's, there's, you can see other people in other cars because they're all part of your mission, but they're going in different places than you are. So there's not like one track, there's multiple tracks. And depending on which car you get into, you're going to go on a different, a little bit different of a ride. And I thought that was pretty interesting, right? Because now they've, they've, 
disassociated like the single path of the ride from this one and this experience in particular. And so if you go on it multiple times, there's you, you'll get a little bit different of a not different story, but a different view of it. And I thought that was pretty cool. Kind of a choose your own adventure. Kind, kind of. It's kind of like well, they'll choose it for you, but you could get one of X number of, you know, variations on a theme. And and it was it was cool to see that. And, and just to, I mean, again, like thinking about it from an architectural point of view, like we don't have total control of what everybody does in the buildings that we design. We don't control where they mm-hmm. look. We don't control where they go. And so it, kind of thinking about it, like obviously they are curating this still from multiple points of view now in the same sequence of events. And I thought that was kind of interesting from like a theme park design kind of a you know, an experience design kind of a mentality or a mode. Right. Uh, pretty interesting. And and I think the coolest thing for me, was, and my wife said, like, I gasped out loud, you know, I don't remember, but but it was, you go into this room and there's two ad ats in there, full Ooh. scale, full scale. Really? <laughs> you're zooming around their legs at the bottom and then you go into this elevator and you go up and you're face to face with the head of the ad at and there's two stormtroopers in there and they're going to shoot you. And the way that they've layered on kind of laser with video projection, like a laser shoots, it hits a wall and there's projection or something. It kind of looks holographic at some sense, but the the lasers burn the metal away and they're animated effects on the walls where the lasers struck and really interesting layering of visual effects to make you feel like you just got shot at with a laser gun. And again, fully immersing you into the the Star Wars universe. Absolutely incredible levels that they, they've gone to. And so I guess, you know, the, the point of saying all this, we talked about world building before. We're talking about this ride and this next level. And there's all this other chatter going on out there about the metaverse and people spending all day in VR and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, architects want to say they're the ones who should be designing all these experiences. And like when I see what Disney can do or what somebody with VR and 3D and the experience, the immersive experiences that they can create with people, it's like I'm not quite convinced architects stand a chance in the future. And I, I would love to be wrong about that. But that to me seems like something worth talking about over the long haul. You know, when you... When you say that, though, I mean, it goes back to our kind of conversation about, like, people who are out there doing it better than us. You know, we talked about, like, the gaming world. We talked about, you know, VR and all of these other things. And (laughs) thanks, Freddie. (laughs) That's your Wookiee. Exactly. Maybe an Ewok. And uh, yeah, I think he's he's more of a house Mm -hmm. troll, but Mm -hmm. same thing. But I mean, it's just like, you know, these, these are the things that we're talking about are like, you know, people doing our job better than us in a way. And, and Imagineers, I I know there's lots of architects on the Imagineering team and, but I think the level of integration to which they are going to with not just like the consultant teams in quotes, because they probably control everything, right? There's definitely an advantage to uh, being a private entity and controlling all of this stuff and doing it all in house and, 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 right? And to me, like there's, there definitely is some secret sauce going on because of that high level of collaboration. I'm sure it's very difficult and all those things, but 
the experience that they deliver on a day in and day out basis. It's like people spend a lot of money to go do this. And Disneyland, I think, makes like almost $6 billion a year in profit, right? Because of it, because they're delivering these experiences to people. And uh, I mean, it just, it just makes me think like, you know, with all the conjecture out there about metaverse and, you know, spending all day inside of, you know, these virtual reality and headsets and alternate realities and mixed realities and all these things. And, and yeah, we should be there designing experience. I'm just kind of like, they're doing it now and, and they're doing it damn good. And it's like how, how the experience is absolutely incredible. And that, and it's not to say like, I mean, obviously buildings do way more than a single purpose like a ride does, but man, they deliver at such a high level. Think about just like the maintenance that Disneyland does on a daily basis. Like we can't even get our clients to maintain a building once a decade, yeah, right? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of things the, stacked against this, but. The the, the contractor's uh, one-year um, service maintenance has run out and things are breaking down and they're like, let's you you're supposed to take yeah. over you're it's supposed really to do older. those things <laughs> i don't know I, I i don't want it to sound like like doom and gloom i just think that like, there's a lot there's a lot of neat stuff going on out there that we're kind of oblivious to because we're so stuck in doing it the way we've always done it and i what i think when i see something like this is like the the levels have been raised like the bar has been raised and they're delivering it and it works on a daily basis for thousands and thousands and thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. Millions per and, year. And it's like, it just is kind of mind blowing for us to continue to, to not come up for air and say, hey, is this the profession that we still want to be a part of? And is it going the direction that we all think it should? I don't, we don't do that enough. I don't think like we're, we're just like, how do we get the, the thing that we have to do tomorrow done tomorrow? <laughs> right, right. It's like, what's our next deadline? No, it's it, and that and that was one of the the reasons why, like I had always dreamed of, and and I, who knows why, I never really like pursued it. I mean, I lived in Florida, I lived you know close enough to like Disney World to actually try to attempt it that, but you know, I always thought, well, you know, this is just an imaginary world. I want to build the real world, um, but you know what, the the imaginary world's pretty damned yeah. awesome. I mean. When when we go to Disney World, I mean the it's the reason why we go to movies to transport ourselves out of reality for just a little yeah. while, and in places like this, you know, are able to do that, and it's kind of fun to like. What's interesting though is it's not just like a you know a movie set. I mean, it is it it is still pretty habitable. Movie sets these days are green screen backgrounds. <laughs> Exactly. Movie sets these days are not as cool as they used to be. I think, like looking at these behind the scenes thing, like actors acting against a green screen, just doesn't seem that cool to me. I mean, obviously that the final output is amazing, but yeah, a movie set is very different than than what I witnessed. So uh, let's just talk about a non-COVID year for Disney World attendance, yeah. um, because in 2020 it dropped to 83.3 million That's people. All? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but in 2019, 257.7 million people. So four times higher. Yeah. And so that's why they create the worlds that they create because, you know, they're, they've got such a 
large, like from every walk of life, yeah. you know, yeah. people that they're trying to create magic right. for. I mean, hell, my favorite, <laughs> I hate to say this, one of my favorite rides is probably probably one of the lamest rides in the entire thing. And it's probably because it's got great air conditioning and it's got comfortable seats where you can just basically sit down for like, an, and maybe not an hour, but you know, it feels like an hour when you've like been walking around 47 acres of a place, <laughs> but it's the Hall of Presidents. I love, love the that. Hall of Presidents. <laughs> I'm a Why? Man. Because <laughs> exactly. Or the uh, Carousel of Progress. Yeah. One of the yeah. originals. <laughs> one of my favorite rides at the end of the day was the paddle boat going around the river. Just oh, the Mark Twain. Yeah. That was, I've never been on it before. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a great way to end the day. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Jungle Cruise. Yep. I mean, you know, we had the Jungle Cruise, which was the the Mark. You know, like I think it was at one point in time, it was like you know the Mark Twain paddle boat thing, and then it like evolved into like the Jungle Cruise, and now it's a movie with the Rock. <laughs> Some of the simple ones were like, I mean, do they hold the attention of? Well, part of see, it's so nostalgia, that's interesting. Right? Like part of it, it there's exactly. a huge component of nostalgia there because it has been around for I don't know this one since 1955. We're coming up on right on 80 years, right? Sorry, 70 years. I I still suck at math since the last episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh, what? Yeah, like I mean, but but even then, though, you know, it's just it's like being able to like immerse yourself into these things. I mean, it does sort of like recharge you, you know, for our profession. Absolutely. I, I couldn't wait to talk about it for sure. I think, I think that it absolutely does. You mean you can't wait to spoil it for me. So now there's no kind of like no point in me going. It's not my fault. You didn't go yet. And now I'm working on my own Disney world type project. <laughs> How many roller coasters you got? Still can't talk about <laughs> What's interesting is what, what it does have is an entire service world below it. An entire service That's world cool. below it. It's pretty amazing. And probably along the same kind of like uh, acreage as Disney World Orlando. Wow. Jeez. That's uh, big scale. Anyway. Steph can't talk about it yet. All right, man. Well. some Somebody's going to figure this out. Yeah. like call me on it or something i don't know who knows who knows if somebody's sleuthy enough to figure out what i'm working on well have a good thanksgiving week <laughs> take some time off get inspired and uh and uh we'll talk to you after that what are you guys doing? i don't know yet your annual <laughs> annual turducken I, I guess yeah exactly <laughs> uh, uh, it's my birthday next week yeah Yours in front of the show, Brett. That's right. Always able to get my birthday lost in a Thanksgiving holiday year after year. Yeah. When is, what day? What? What day oh, is my day? day? My day is Tuesday. Yeah. No, I mean. 23rd. Like, date. 23rd. Oh. Yeah. My son's, my oldest son is the 29th. So he always gets lost in Thanksgiving as well. You just get to extend your normal vacation. That's all. Well, normally we're just traveling, you know, with, with him. And so he's just like, you know, everybody's here for Thanksgiving, but they're not here for my birthday. Like, it's not no. about you. <laughs> yeah. It's a, so you're not thankful? Today, son, we're going to have a lesson in entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to, 
we we are going to be splitting up and uh, going to half the family will be going home to Michigan and me and my middle child will be in New York City. That's right. New York City. Get a rope. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are going to a tournament? Yes. Yeah. And it's going to be on, like, it's this little island park at the north end of Manhattan. And it's going to be really cold. And it's going to be wind coming off of the Hudson. So it's going to be nice. Pun intended, seeing how it's also a rugby tournament. So there will be smashing too, though. Rugby smashing. Get it? (laughs) Cool, man. Well, have a good uh, have a good holiday, and we'll see you too. everybody when we get back, and and everyone else as well. Be thankful and enjoy. <laughs> There's lessons from Grandma Grandpa, Grandma Cormac. <laughs> Grandma Cormac. Uh, wow! Thanks to Enscape for their support of this episode. Visit Enscape3d.com/slash/arcaspeak today for a free 14 day trial. Thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of ArcaSpeak. And remember, you can visit Infratech at infratech-usa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation, learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L m-e-d-i-a dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon. <laughs>